This is the Abraham's Wallet podcast. Abraham's Wallet spans the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Okay, fellas, I hope you're ready to jump in. This is part four of my unified theory of giving. Um, Part one, we talked about what a blessing it is to have God trust you with money. Part two, we talked about that we're to support our local church community with giving, and we defined that. Part three, um, I just challenge you to consider your vision. What it is that what is it that God has given you to do, and have you put money against that thing? So now we're to a category that, like some of the above, has been punted by many and handed over to the local Christian religious organization. We did this because one, they told us to, and two, we can be kind of lazy sometimes, and offloading responsibility to a centralized organization can feel like a relief, period. Uh, This is not always wrong, by the way. For instance, you might have a burden to give to the poor in Africa, but you're not sure how to do it. Well, I know of an organization in Northern England called CART, for instance, which gives 100% of its donations to the intended, intended recipients in Africa. And they know the lay of that land better than your average bear. So they they're not going to waste money on overhead like I would trying to figure out how to do things best. So I'm glad CART exists. Great. Give, it to, give your money to them and you'll be serving the African poor in a really efficient way. Another example, my local church here in Cincinnati did something I could never do. They created a network of poverty relief organizations. They pitched an idea for a centralized center where all those organizations could do their thing. They raised millions of dollars to make it happen, fought the city, who amazingly balked at it happening, and then, bam, they made it happen. So my family not only gives to our local church, but we also give to the CityLink Center that my church helped create. It's pretty sweet. So now we have this place called the CityLink Center. We're very glad to give to it. And and it's a one-stop shop for uh, people who are struggling in poverty to, to uh, gather resources and make their way out of poverty. It's pretty sweet. On the whole, however, I'd like to do away with that particular form of laziness. And I'm, I know it's, it's not lazy to give to the CityLink Center, but it is lazy when we don't think through these things for ourselves and our families because it removes the godly pressure of responsibility from you. And we often go, well, I'm sure my local church does a great job of giving to the poor and supporting missions training people in spiritual gifts, proclaiming the gospel, making disciples, etc., etc. And, okay, I would just like to say, number one, a lot of times they do not. They, they don't do a good job in giving to the poor. You, you could ask, by the way, ask your local church, how much money do we give to the poor around here? How much do they give to supporting missions? How much do they give in actually training people in spiritual gifts? or making disciples. So number one, no, a lot of times they don't. And two, it's really not their job to make sure that you execute on these things. It's your job. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Yes, support your local church, but do more than that. 
Their main concern is keeping the lights and heat on, you know, being self-sustaining. Their mission is definitely not the mission of your family. Definitely not the mission of your local church. Definitely not the mission of your family. Those are different. So don't lazily give them your giving money, which is usually the crumbs left at the end of the year and not an exciting core of your financial plan, which it should be, and then just be done with it and wash your hands and go, well, they got my crumbs. I'll move on with my life. Take back your power to bless. I I, I hope that's the theme that you're getting through all four of these um, installments of my unified theory of giving. Take back your power to bless. God gave it to you. Don't punt it. Move that back under your own roof. Deploy dollars like little gospel soldiers to further your vision and your calling on the earth. So today we're going to talk about one specific part of your calling, which is expressing the heart of the Father, the Heavenly Father. Now You might already know this, but you're God's ambassador. That means, if I may just quote the Bible instead of paraphrasing, that God is making his appeal through you. He's making his appeal on this earth in this time through you. So he intends to use you, your gifts, your personality, your relationships, your career, your money, to explain to the world what he's like and to make his name glorious in all the platforms you occupy uniquely. One of those platforms, as I've said exhaustively in this series, is your money. Money is influence and power and possibility, and the master wants all of yours. Thank you very much. He has a right to it. So one thing you're to do with your money is simply give to the things that are on his heart. Now, I'm just going to give you categories followed up by scripture that backs them up with some comments at the end of each section. Okay, my first point is give to the poor. This is Luke chapter 3. So the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? And he answered, and he said to them, He who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. This is Ephesians 4.28. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that that he may have something to give him who has need. And this is Psalm 41. Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity in the land and rescues them from their enemies. The Lord nurses them when they're sick and restores them to health. That's an amazing promise. So, I'm going to just make a couple of comments here. I want to separate this little assignment that I'm giving to you, that the Bible gives to you. I want to separate that from giving to beggars, okay? Now, giving to beggars is an impulse thing, which is fine. We're going to get to that, but that's not what we're looking at. We're talking about strategic, intentional giving toward the poor and not just those who are pulling on your sleeve, How can you give toward poor families? Well, ask. here's the best thing. Ask God for connections and ideas. Look for organizations who are making a difference in the lives of poor families. Look for direction. Or, wouldn't this be amazing? Ask God to show you a poor family. Wouldn't that be great to actually give to... 
I like to give to humans, people who have names and lives. And I, I would prefer to give to people instead of give to some organization that you hope is going to redistribute the money if they don't take too much off the top for themselves. And you don't always know what you're giving to. Uh, Compassion International is an easy win in this department. It's hard for me to con- conceive of somebody with a 40-inch plasma screen TV who couldn't take on a compassion child. It's really easy. God is very interested in people who give to the poor. Like, really, really, really I'm really interested. Uh, I'll tell you my favorite verse on this subject is Proverbs nineteen seventeen. It says, um, whoever gives to the poor lends to the Lord and he will be rewarded for what he's done. So give to the poor. I don't know how, you, how you're going to figure that out. You can figure it out, but you need to give to the poor because they're one of the things on God's heart. Secondly, give to orphans and widows. Here's a couple of passages for you. In, the, in Deuteronomy 14, 29, it says, The fatherless and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. Did you hear that? So that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. There's promises connected to all of these. Psalm ten fourteen, But you, God, you see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. James 1, 27, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. These days, orphans are found in our foster system, so give money to these programs for their support, and even pray to the Father about um, fostering kids yourself. Widows are mothers who've lost their husbands. Now, in my mind, this includes single mothers, either by death or abandonment, or having children out of wedlock. Ask God to show you, quote, widows who need your financial support or organizations who center on that demographic, including giving to crisis pregnancy centers. We know that most of the women who seek out pregnancy pregnancy intervention and are considering abortion, God forbid it, fall into the category described above. They, They are these mothers who've either been abandoned or have gotten pregnant out of wedlock. Giving to crisis pregnancy centers is a clear way to support these women and to and to vote for these children. I, I said earlier that money is influence. Well, you can influence with your money by making a way forward for uh, pregnant mothers who feel like they're in a pinch and aren't sure what to do. Let's roll out the red carpet for them to let them know we love your children. God loves your children. We want to make a way. So again, I'll say, if you know widows in your life, give generously to them. If you know orphans in your life, give generously to them and make that a regular thing. Why? Because it's on God's heart. It's important to the Lord. Give to Christians in prison for their faith. This is Matthew 25. I was in prison and you came to visit me. 
I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And this is the famous Hebrews 13.3. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Local prison ministries are routinely overlooked because they bring in almost zero new people to local congregations. Obey these passages and represent your master. I found an organization called The Voice of the Martyrs in my 20s, and and I've joyfully given to them ever since. They find persecuted believers, including imprisoned pastors around the world, and they care for them. They support them. Um, in prison. They do letter writing campaigns to try to free them. They will support uh, families of persecuted believers or even persecuted communities. It's a fantastic organization. It's called Voice of the Martyrs. So we're commanded to remember uh, believers who are in prison for their faith. And Jesus said, come to visit me. So there's an action step to all of these things, giving to the poor, Ask the Lord to present poor people to your family. Give to orphans and widows. Ask the Lord to bring orphans and widows your way. Give to Christians in prison for their faith. Ask the Lord to tell him, if you would share, if you would connect me to somebody in these circumstances, Lord, I would give. And just watch him. Watch him. And my last little, uh, my last little category is going to seem kind of crazy, but it's to give impulsively. That is to give without any previous thought. Now listen to these verses. Give, this is Luke 6, give and it will be given to you. A large quantity pressed together, shaken down and running over will be put into your lap because you'll be evaluated by the same standard with which you evaluate others. I'm just going to interrupt myself here. And say, the Puritans used to say, we want to be stingy with our beds and promiscuous with our money. Meaning, Luke 6.38 just said, what's the standard that you evaluate others by? Are you really stingy and there's this magical, very, very high bar that somebody has to achieve before they're worthy of your giving dollars? Or are you just, you just tend towards giving. You're just pretty generous. And sometimes you have to stop yourself. Oh, yeah, we have to buy groceries. Hold on there, self. Um, because we we should have a really low bar for giving. This verse says you'll be evaluated by the same standard with which you evaluate others. Proverbs twenty one twenty six says, Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. Isn't that a great verse? Proverbs twenty one twenty six. You could just memorize these six words because it's great. But the godly love to give. Great. Deuteronomy 15.10 says, Be sure to give to them without any hesitation. When you do this, the Lord your God will bless you in everything you work for and set out to do. Doesn't that sound pretty attractive? (laughs) The Lord will bless you in everything you work for and set out to do. Amazing. God loves a cheerful giver. So look for places to give. One of my favorites is, I'm sure I'll lose my reward for telling you this, but I hope you do it too. One of my favorites is when I walk into a McDonald's uh, uh, to get breakfast or a Chipotle for lunch, just walk straight to the register and say, I'm going to pay for everybody's order until you get to me. That can be embarrassing, 
a little weird or something, but it's really fun and it surprises people. Um, people who need money will mostly not ask for it. So if you see somebody counting pennies at the register at the grocery store or is super stressed about a $15 tab, just lean over, butt in and say, you know what, I'm going to take this whole order on mine. Then you smile at the person and the cashier and you just say, Jesus cares about all of us or something, something pithy. And when you meet a young person and you want to encourage them, just slip them a 20 and say, Jesus sees how hard you try. Keep going. Um, sometimes I just will slip a, a college student at 20 and say, you know, I was once in college and my dad used to slip me a little money and, and it brightened my day. I want to do the same for you. Your, <laughs> your 20 bucks is worth that. That's a really good return on 20 bucks. This will probably have a greater impact on them than 10 sermons, by the way. They'll remember that. Do you see somebody broken down on the side of the road? Help them. Yes. Help them physically. Then pay for their flat to be repaired, maybe, or their tow truck or their gas. Just look for, again, I'm looking for ways that are impulsive ways to give, just as it strikes you. I mean, we could just ask God right now, why don't I just pray? You want to pray with me? I'll just pray for you right now. God, I'm asking that for me and for anybody listening to this, that you would make us more generous. Not just because it's a good deed, but because we because we love you and you you are so generous and we want to participate in your nature we want to be like you so god would you inspire us would you give us creative ideas would you put opportunities in our path so that we don't drag our feet and go i guess i should give now but we should get excited if you see somebody broken down and go huh i could spare 20 minutes right now I'm going to jump out and see how I can give to these people. Lord, would you make us givers? God, would you help your church? God, we're such a bunch of ding-dongs. We're selfish and self-concerned. God, I wish the reputation of your church was that we were so giving. Please do that right now. Would you help us? Amen. Finally, I hope you feel inspired by this series. Giving is a massive power that your father put right into your hands because he's so because he's so kind. It's because he's so generous that he can make us generous. I hope you feel godly pressure also. I'll just throw that in. I I I want you to know that keeping your stuff to yourself is not an option as a Christ follower. And I hope you feel pressure from me and from the scriptures and I hope from your church community that there's just an expectation that we're givers. That should be so normal for us. And I even hope you feel a little bit overwhelmed with possibilities. There are so many things that you can do with giving dollars to have impact around you. I hope you feel like you just have an overflowing buffet table and a small plate and go, I, I, gotta, I don't know, what are the six things I can fit on here? I hope you branch out. I hope you reach out. I hope you try to do some new things. Surely you can see over this series with so many reasons to give, so many places to give to, and so much that the Father has packed inside you and your family specifically, that holding your breath and writing a check to your local religious organization is insufficient and unsatisfactory behavior for a son of the king. It's just not enough at all. Deploying resources is one of the basic skills required for somebody who has ambitions to someday rule cities. And, and according to Luke 16, if we are faithful in a little, 
He'll give us much. And the reward, if you remember that story, the reward for the good servant who um, stewarded uh, his resources well, the reward for him was that he would be put in charge of cities. So that should be our ambition, Lord, that we would deploy resources so well and manage resources so well that you would say, now there's a guy I could trust with more responsibility. I entreat you, man of God, engage. Become a fountain of life in your giving. Be a faithful ambassador of the king, sending out his love and provision in every direction. Be a provider for the fatherless, a hope for the poor, a blessing to the righteous prisoner, a broadcaster of vision, a support for your community of faith, and a reflection of your great God. Give, you man of God, you give. Thanks for listening. That's it. That's the unified theory of giving. And this is Stephen Manuel for Abraham's Wallet.